Nathan Fro, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, Kevin. I'm excited to be here. It's been a long time coming. I'm excited to share my opinions and thoughts. Yeah. So, all right, let's go back into just a little history. Like, what's, what do you think is, like, your your one of your best, like, bulls, your best, like, scouting or scouting oh. oh, that's easy. Um, Steph Curry. Yeah, um, okay. That's what I was thinking, too. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a pretty good call. Um, I did not know he would be the scorer he became, but I felt like he had the, the IQ and skill set that he was going to be a very good PG in the league for a long time. Well, um, yeah, you're actually underselling because what I remember from the – this was real GM message board days. You, you described mm-hmm. him as a perfect prospect. And uh, <laughs> I remember reading that, you know, probably like, you know, April of – whatever year that was, 2006, 2007, and thinking, yeah, okay. And, well, you know, know, Steph was good right from the start. He was pretty good right from the start. Mm -hmm. But then I don't – it's hard to imagine anybody like 6'3", just going supernova the way he did. He – the the game – you know, kind of evolutionized as he showed his skill, how much his skill outweighed any athletic shortcomings he had. Yeah. Um, the, the the range, the, the, the decision-making, the spacing he created, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it just was a – with Clay and, and Draymond on the floor, it became a mismatch for them. So it was a perfect situation. He 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 fell into the perfect situation. I, I remember early on in his career – he had a lot of issues with his um, ankles. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some serious questions about his future. So, you know, it wasn't a sure thing. He A lot of credit goes to him for his, his work once he got to the league and the yeah. effort he put in. And he really made himself into a superstar, really a self-made superstar, not like the God-given gifts of a, of a Magic or Michael or, or, mm-hmm. or um, LeBron. He truly just made it from scratch. Because I, I look at his frame and I'm like, yeah, I'm about that same height, six three, <laughs> one seventy five. Well, I will say this: he he was freaky quick, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the other thing too is he, he really, you know, that shooting runs in the family. It seems like everybody in that family can yeah. just flat out shoot the ball. So there's something there's something happening there. And I will say, um, I hear what you're saying. You know, he didn't get blessed with like the size of Magic and LeBron and all that kind of stuff, but when I, when I watch those guys, those guys, they, they yeah, they put in a ton of work to to become what they are. There's lots of guys who mm-hmm. get physical tools and don't ever become much of anything. You know, right. yeah, Kwame Brown. Stop crossing my as well. Yeah, I I, I like Kwame. He's a really nice guy. I, I enjoyed talking to him and stuff years ago. But um, you know, for all of that ability that he had, he did not become. Looking back on it, and that, I, yeah, I, I never wanted a player so hard to succeed in my life. Looking back, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and it, and it never materialized. There were a flash here and there, and it just, you know, I always wonder what would have happened if if MJ wasn't um, involved. Yeah, but yeah, you know, that that would have been interesting. He still probably wouldn't have lived up to it. That draft. I mean, that Kwame's only above average season was the year after uh, Jordan left, and mm-hmm. we're, this is 
see, this is like super. We're we're supposed to be talking about like the Wizards' future and the draft and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And what are we doing? We're rehashing stuff. But so you know, the, the plan the plan was, you know, after Kwame had that decent season, above average season, right? That the plan was for him to come back and be one of their core scorers in Eddie mm-hmm. Jordan's system, and he broke his foot. Yeah, and. By the time he got back, you know, what what ended up happening is something that he didn't really understand. And now I think teams would probably have a structure that mm-hmm. could support him through it. But at the time, nobody really did. And so what ended up happening was that Kwame didn't really understand that when a player is injured, he ends up being kind of separate from the team. Everybody on the team, all of the players and the coaches – um, are pretty well focused on the next opponent, the next game, mm-hmm. getting their bodies ready, getting ready for practice, watching film, all that kind of stuff. And I mean, sure, his teammates would hang out with him when they were at home and all that kind of stuff, and they would bring him along on the road sometimes, but not always. But mm-hmm. he was isolated a bit from the team, which was normal, you know, and he, he didn't really understand that. And he got depressed and he got a little out of shape and mm-hmm. it um, it sort of spiraled from there. Now, like I said, I think teams are more cognizant of that kind of thing. And so they would probably put a structure around him to make sure that, uh, you know, his mental health stayed good, but um, uh, that yeah. was not the practice at the time. Uh, and this was the wizards. And so it was definitely <laughs> not the practice of the wizards. <laughs> yes. You know, it's, I guess they assumed everybody was a grown man and could figure things out for themselves, but no, yeah. including that 20 year old. Right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, let's get to the draft. So, um, what I wrote, um, I guess a few days ago now, was basically about how the, the draft kind of makes up for being weak at the top by lacking depth. And um, <laughs> so t- tell me, am I wrong? You are not. I have never um, seen a draft class with less um, eye-catching talent or star power at the top. I find this and then there's like you said there's not a whole lot of depth. Uh, with yeah. the one uh, only position I see where you're like, "Oh, you got a lot to choose from." is, is the point guard position. Mm-hmm. Um but oh my god, the small forward position. What a train wreck. I mean, yeah. as far as, as possible wing prospects, I'm just like after three or four, I'm just like, I, I don't need, there's no, there's well, no, <laughs> you know, I can't make I a have, top five list. Yeah, I have 20 draftable, you know, players with a draftable grade, mm-hmm. and um, the the only small forward in that group is um, Isaac Okoro from, from Auburn, and I have him with mm-hmm. like a late first grade. So <laughs> that's, that. this is not, I agree, this is not, I think there are some like shooting guards who can maybe also play some small forward. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm counting into the mix, too. Um, I was looking at uh, the guy from Vanderbilt as a guy that could swing over to the uh, small forward spot. Um, oh, my gosh, the name skips me at the moment.
come to me, I'm sure. Oh, here, but, I got him right here. Aaron Nesmith, yeah. Yes, yes, Aaron Nesmith. Really, probably the best shooter in the draft, actually. Uh, but yeah, at six six, I, and I think he has the size. He could he probably he could probably uh, do small forward. Although the defense may be an issue. But yeah, outside of that, I think I had him Okoro, who I who I'm like, uh, he doesn't shoot. He can't shoot. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, kind of the problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I put Abdia at um, power forward for a lot of the same reasons. Plus, he's at least six nine. Um, so I see him as more of a power forward. Um, I don't know. I see Sadiq Bay maybe more of as, as a four as well. Um, I, I just don't see a lot of guys that can break the three in this draft. And it's not a yeah. – yeah, I just don't see a team going in this with a need at small forward that's going to have that need met. Yeah, I I concur with that. I, when I look at Sadiq Bay, for example, who you just met, um, you know, I, I have him as a forward. I think he's probably – I, I think he's probably more of like a small four than a three, mm-hmm. and um, you know I look and he can he the percentages are there, but the mm-hmm. well he, he shot pretty well. It's just that the the rest of the game I I kind of question. You know he doesn't rebound well enough to really play a small. He in in this respect his stat line, not his body, but his stat line reminds me a little bit of like uh, Jared Dudley, where. Mm-hmm. You know, Dudley was like a bad rebounder at small forward, and because of, he was slow and smart in, and could shoot, teams would put him at power forward where he was a, a really bad rebounder. <laughs> <laughs> but he was an okay defender. For, he Somehow he didn't kill the team defensively, although individually he can really guard anyone. But he just yeah, was, he was be in the right position at the right time. Yeah, he was smart, and he's kind of uh, a, a great example of somebody who's, you know, with the basketball IQ, he he can get his body to the right spot to to be a good team defender, even if he's one on one defender. And yeah, so he he could do that. <laughs> yeah, he's he's probably the most um, average <laughs> athlete. <laughs> well, um, the thing with him too is just that he always had that kind of little looked a little pudgy. Pudgy, you know? yeah. Yeah, even at uh, Boston College. Was it at Boston College, I believe? Yeah. I don't remember um, that. But, I mean, we're talking he, we're, we're talking about Pudgy, though. I mean, NBA standards are so ridiculous. I mean, Jared Dudley was probably like, you know, 8 9% body fat. <laughs> he looks pudgy on an NBA floor, you know. Yeah, but as you're right, the IQ, the decision-making, it, it can carry you far in this league uh, without the lack of talent. That's why I'm, I'm definitely not caught up anymore on – athleticism so much, especially when it comes to to the bigs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you see what guys do now. If the skill level is high enough, they're going to be successful. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's that's the case. I know I – well, I mean, my method is almost exclusively statistical. You know, I, I do mm-hmm. the analysis, the old draft angles. You, you were on the Wizards message board at Real GM when I created it. Um, kind of live created, live tweeted mm-hmm. my uh, my draft process, but it's it's really like I said, strictly statistical. And this year, is one of the challenges that I have is that they didn't have the combine, and I always mm-hmm. I use them the measurements. The whole point of, of of Yoda, as it's come to be known, is to try to be as objective as possible to use the actual stats mm-hmm. to um, use the the Confirmed measurements from the combine 
to mm-hmm. measure to to get things like height and uh, you know length and and um, vertical leap that kind of stuff rather than relying on scouting reports um, which one of my favorites was well so I scouting one of them was comparison between um, well they weren't directly compared but they were in the same draft as um, Kevin Love and Michael Beasley and. Mm-hmm. You probably remember this. The scouting yeah. reports were all talked about how Kevin Love lacked athletic ability and mm-hmm. he was a plotter and he couldn't jump and all this kind of stuff. And then it described Michael Beasley as having an NBA-ready body and <laughs> with athleticism. It you know, could play small forward because he was so athletic and mm-hmm. great leaper and all this kind of stuff. And then they went to the combine and basically their measurements were almost identical. Beasley timed out like a tenth of a second quicker, I think, in the you know the agility measure that I used. But their vertical leaps were within like half inch of each other. Their you know lengths were within like a half inch. They were basically the same guy. And one guy was perceived as not being athletic, and the other guy was (laughs) perceived as a great athlete. So there's that. And then my other favorite this year, I won't say who wrote this, but there was somebody who wrote that a guy. A uh, point guard prospect had maxed out his frame, and uh, the guy he was talking about is 19 years old. <laughs> what 19-year-old has ever maxed out his frame? Uh, uh, the internet is 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 where everybody can have an opinion, and you know, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've learned to. I've, and, and scouting reports have gotten me in trouble. Um, over the years, and I've learned that I cannot rely on someone else's opinion. I actually just have to watch yeah. as much video. And with, with YouTube, now there's no excuse. The footage yeah. is out there. Um, so to me, over the years, I've gotten a lot better as I've relied exclusively on my own eyes. And then also having, um, see, I'm, I've, I've have incorporated stats. Uh, especially mm-hmm. more so the last five years. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely see, um, and at least uh, in NCA stats, BPM as a big predictor uh, generally mm. of, of, of success. So, you know, I, I sort of look at those things. Although you can you can never tell. There's always, there's yeah. always a, an exception to the rule. Um, I look at, um, I think, Russell Westbrook, for example. I don't think his college stats were all that great, but... Hey. <laughs> well, he still ended up, uh, at least in Yoda, he, he still graded out, I think, as like a top four or five pick. But really? he, nice. his numbers were good, but they weren't, they didn't really suggest that they were going to get the kind of guy that he turned out to be. So, mm-hmm. so to me, like when I started this, um, I had uh, several flaws sort of right from the start, which I've been correcting or trying to correct like a little bit at a time you know, every every year. And so one of the first was that I had basically like a bunch of seniors from small universities popping up at the top, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And so what I ended up having to do was incorporate adjustments for the level of competition the player faces and for mm-hmm. their age. And then I also um, had to include, I had to include some measures of athleticism because there are some guys who are going to get a chance and, you know, should get a chance because of their athletic ability. They're overwhelming athletes. Mm-hmm. And so and when there's like a mismatch of production, that can be pretty interesting uh, when their production doesn't match their athleticism. 
it suggests uh, potential, and sometimes it suggests they're just not that good, you know. Well, so, this, at the top of this draft, the, the top prospects lack production. Um, Anthony Edwards, to me, yeah. lacks production. Um, yeah. I, you know, I thought Okoro's production was pretty uh, pretty light. Um, definitely wasn't a fan of, uh, oh, my gosh, Precious Achua. Um, <laughs> well, okay, so just so you know, so what, what you described is, you know, Anthony Edwards is, like, he's considered one of the, like, top two, three picks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he ranks just barely in the top ten, but he rates more like a like a mid mid first round pick, at least in my stuff. And that's including giving him the the bump for athleticism. And, that's what it's um, all about. That's the only thing that elevates him to, to the status where he's being perceived as a top pick is that athleticism at the two guard spot, which is sort of unique because it's there's not a lot of elite level athletes um, right now at that position. The thing with him, though, is when you look at the numbers, like you, you talk mm-hmm. about the, the production, I mean, we're talking about an offensive rating of about 100 in college. Mm-hmm. That's really bad. Somebody with all that athleticism. He doesn't know he what he's doing. 50, he shot 50% from two-point range. I see him play, you know, what I thought of Isaiah Ryder. Yeah. Maybe a little more kick in a, you know, a little more engine in his tank, you know, a little more juice there. You know, it's just yeah. like he, he is electric. Um, he's but an electric he, athlete, but yeah, yeah I mean, I, I I agree with that. When I look at the highlights, I see that. But we're also looking at you know like six rebounds for forty, not many assists, not oh, a lot of steals or blocks. Nick, Nick Youngish. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It's like it's really really inefficient. For, that the Dion Waiters, Nick Young, um, yeah. <laughs> J.R. Ryder. I'm I'm just throwing all those. Um, disappointing shooting guards who never could do anything else but attempt to score. <laughs> well, hopefully he's a better guy than, like, all of them. <laughs> I, just I mean, Nick was mostly just immature, but, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Not was. Still. <laughs> still. Still, still. <laughs> he's going to grow up at, like, 38. And oh, my gosh. I, did I, I never told the story. I was at the Vegas Summer League uh, Nick's rookie year. And my first encounter just meeting this guy, I was just like, oh, my God, how did they pick this kid? He, I mean, he was just like a total kid. There was like nothing adult, nothing mature about him. Like, he was just like a little kid. And I just like, oh, my God, yeah. what in the hell did they do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's um, Ernie. The stories about him are pretty <laughs> legendary. So, so. All right. Yeah, but, but I get that vibe from 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 Anthony Edwards. Definitely in that same realm as far as off the, on the ball score, ball you know, low efficiency. Yeah. It's gonna yeah. be tough. Yeah. Um, and then Precious, I, I can't say his name. How do you say the last name? Achua. Achua. God bless. Okay. God let's bless go with that. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. I have him like with a borderline grade. Like when mm-hmm. I say that, I mean. It's like if I'm sitting there at like with the 50th pick in the draft and he's sitting there, I take him, right? Right, yeah. yeah. But because... if I'm sitting there at the ninth pick and he's there, oh, like, oh God, no. I can't see. Anyway, I mean, I like his rebounds, <laughs> but um, we're, I mean, we're talking like he's going to have to play power forward or center, and he shot center. 51% from two-point range. He has to play center. Yeah. There's no other position he can. He does not. He does not possess 
a, a tenth of the offensive skill necessary to do anything other than center. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I see an energy guy. I see an athletic energy guy. Yeah, um, I mean, he rebounds and blocks shots. But sort of. I know. Well, I mean, blocks, but he definitely rebounds. If I had to say his upside, I'm I'm saying his upside is Tyrone Hill. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not excited. And then I think defensively, he's um, he has a lot of growing to do as well. So yeah. you're, you're getting a project on both ends of the court. Yeah. It seems like that's like probably the the, the strength of this draft. Uh, you know, point guard. I think there's some good point guards, some solid point guards. Um, yeah. Maybe ranked, but also I think that there's some like strength, if you will, in um, a backup center. I think there's plenty of backup well, centers in this draft. Here's my theory on that. The the market, the free agent market, is, is just becoming so overwhelmingly loaded with guys who can't get off the bench for their teams now, who, who play that position. Yeah. You know, you have a lot of power forwards, or used to be power forwards, now being forced to play center yeah. because of today's game. And then you have a lot of traditional bigs are just getting sort of played out. You know, they're having to ride these huge contracts on, on the bench. And so I, I just, you know, I'm seeing a, a, we're starting to see a, a crowded free agent market. I think there's probably 20 guys out there that can probably help or, or play a role for a team as a backup center. Mm-hmm. I I really don't see value in wasting um, draft capital on someone, unless I felt like this guy's unique and he can potentially do something that maybe some of these other free agents can't do. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I, getting another, like, rim-running center who blocks shots and can, can rebound a little bit, unless he's doing it at an absolutely elite level, there's mm-hmm. not a lot of, of value in that no. just to have a, a guy who doesn't have any skill. I mean, you need, like, Rudy Gobert has a lot of value because he's an elite defender. You know, he's right. one of the probably two, three best centers. Yeah. yeah. Defenders in the league, you know. So, and, you know, coaches have finally gotten around to, my brother and I used to talk about this back in, like, the 1980s about, and this is when, you know, the Bullets were running out there with, like, Dave and, you know, <laughs> I just kind of would, would speculate. You know, we'd be sitting there watching the game and getting cranky about them getting their butts kicked again. And we'd start talking about why don't they just, like, you know, play John Williams at center? Uh, right, right. Just put six, eight guys out there and play ball and, and see what happens. And, you know, it, the, the madness of let's get a center culminated in that whole, like, Oh my John God. Wallace for Ike Austin. So I thought about of, that as soon as you mentioned that. I was like, oh, he's going to bring up Ian Wallace. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but hey, Ike Austin was a true center because he was 6'10", and obviously Ben Wallace was not because he was 6'9". Right, and, and, and Michael Wilbon verified that fact, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We don't need to rehash that for too long, but... Uh, <laughs> We're finally, I think, seeing like teams that are that are moving much more in that direction. Where you get a guy like you know Bam Adebayo, for example, mm-hmm. who's just he's six ten, but man, he's so skilled. He's and quick and athletic and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And and the big stiff center is getting. It, they're on their way out. They're getting phased out for guys who can shoot three, who can handle the ball and can make passes and switch yeah. on defense. 
Like, what type of contract is Mahimi getting this offseason? League minimum at most. I can't right. see anybody paying him. Right, right. That's the value. You know, it's, it's amazing how things changed in, in four years. But, yeah. Well, I, they didn't, in that respect, they didn't change that much. The market, I, it's just astounding to me. Like, what? how could the market for Mahimi have been, you know, four for 64? Like you know what I'm saying? No one guessed that beforehand. No, yeah, no one believed yeah. it at the hand. For him, that the Wizards said, you know what? They're, you're, they're going four for sixty-two, so we got to go to sixty-four. Yeah, that I I don't know how you go from Kevin Durant to Al Horford, which I okay, great. Then go from Al Horford to Ian Mahimi. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. an astonishing drop. <laughs> yeah. That's that's one that yeah uh, that didn't make sense to me. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, I I don't really get that one. And I mean, ultimately, it it took a while, but it finally did. It, that's the move. One of the moves, anyway, that got um, Ernie Grunfeld off the team. <laughs> well, that that one off season pretty much ruined their chance, I think, to do anything with this group of guys. Um, yeah. And that's even being realistic and looking in the future and looking, you know, at how, how things are shaping up. But there's just, um, you know, we were playing against Horford in yeah. the um, semifinals. And if we just had anybody yeah. uh, that could contribute, uh, you know, certainly the, the the East Finals would have been in play, and who knows, we could have. Yeah, well, I mean, it was the free agent version of like what was that, the 2011 draft, where they got you know Vesely and oh, Singleton, Singleton and, and yeah, Mac, yeah, yeah. who actually turned out to be the best <laughs> player from that draft that, that they picked, and they cut him what two, three times. So, go figure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I. I I initially, I was making a lot of comparisons with uh, Besley to this kid from um, Israel. Um, oh my gosh, I said his name earlier, but it skips me now. Um, Denny, you're talking about Denny? Yeah, Denny. Yeah, yeah. But I, um, I've started to come around on him, um, <laughs> and actually, he's starting to look, be one of my more um, prospects that I would actually like to see the Wizards get. Hmm, uh, interesting. I, he's not somebody, you know. I'd have to. I don't have a way to assess athleticism. Um, he's not does not pop um, in the numbers, you know. At least not, you know, for my the, the two point yeah. percentage is great. The three point percentage is okay, and then the free throw shooting is really bad. So, yeah. and he's pretty low usage, um, and well, his turnovers aren't bad. So he's somebody I. He's like in that category where if he's sitting there in the second round, I take him. But I don't know. I'm not sold on him. I I, I think he goes late lottery. Um, yeah. I, I look at it this way. He's got a six nine. Uh, you know, not a wispy frame. So I think he can play the four. His skill level as a four would really be high. This is a guy who can who can do a lot with the ball in his hand. Um, yeah. Excellent decision maker, excellent passer, um, really sharp. knows knows how to uh, knows knows can think the game. You can see can you can see he really thinks the game well. Um, I do worry about his shot creation ability, and he does have a little hitch 
in a shot at times. Uh, but it didn't look terrible. It didn't look like a completely lost, you know, Jan Vesely, I'm just shot putting the ball from the ocean type of situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I see some potential there. And I think with that skill level at 6'9", there's a lot. He's going to be a role player in this league. How good he will be, I don't know, but he's going to have a role. Um, And in this draft, I think you're pretty much, you're looking for guys who can have roles. If there's a a Giannis in this draft, good luck finding him. Right. Yeah, I don't think there's a Giannis in this draft. So... So, out of curiosity, what do you think of – like, let, let me go through a few of the guys who are sort of near the okay. top in Yoda right now. And this is preliminary, of course, and and uh, so I'm still working on it. And there are some things I'm still looking at doing, um, upgrading some position, the position tweaks and, uh, you know, the position adjustment and the age adjustment. I'm still doing – I'm doing – researching some different ideas on that. Mm-hmm. So – and then I still need to find a way to measure to get objective measures of like the athletic tools and stuff. So, but let's go through a few who are near the top and just see what you, you what you think of them. So, um, like one of the guys I have rated up near the top is um, Onyeka Onkongwu, mm-hmm. forward center from USC. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he's really probably going to have to play center. Yeah, um, pure center. Yeah. Six nine, but. He's over 60% from two two point range, and mm-hmm. uh, he rebounds like crazy and blocked a ton of shots. So, what do you think? High level rim runner. Okay. Um, high IQ rim runner. Very smart guy. Very hard worker. Um, I feel like he is probably a pretty safe pick. They pick like, but where are you thinking? Like in the in the draft? In the in, in this draft, just you know, even though I gave my little spill about centers not too long ago, he's he's still a lottery pick in this draft. Yeah. Maybe even uh, top five. Okay. Yeah, um, that's that's kind of about where I, my my sort of rule of thumb on this draft is you take like any of these players, right, and then just sort of move them back. For in a normal draft, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so the guy that you had won would normally be like number six in a, mm-hmm. in a normal draft. And That's so, a good way of looking at it, yeah. And so everybody just sort of has moved ahead five slots because there's, for whatever reason, there's <laughs> five guys missing from the draft here. <laughs> yeah, it, it does feel that way. Or maybe yeah. five, another five guys that should be in the first round too. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, everybody gets to move up, you know. So, okay, next one. I kind of like him. I, I think he could be an interesting player. Um, he's he's good athleticism. He's a little undersized, and he'll need to get stronger, but kind of redundant. Mecca, everybody in the draft needs to get stronger. Yeah, Emeka Okafor. Okay. Yeah, some of the, he had a comparable height. Um, maybe a more solid frame. Uh, Pre-back injury, Emeka was a very good athlete. Yeah. I, I could kind of see the comparables there. But, yeah, the kids' work ethic, what the, co- what the, what the coaches say about him, they rave about him. I, yeah. You know, for the Wizards, as far as the fit for the Wizards, this is a good fit um, because, to me, 
in time, maybe not immediately, he would bring more than uh, uh, Thomas Bryant or uh, Wagner would at center. Um, yeah. Especially on the defensive end, end, end the boards. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, I don't know if he would be able to do that from day one. But, but yeah. yeah. Bryant he, is, is really, Thomas Bryant is such an interesting player because his defense is bad, but I've written several times, folks who you know may have read, <coughs> that his, his defense is not good, but it's also not as bad as I think his, his reputation is. Like uh, this season, the Wizards were basically about as good defensively when he was on the floor without Isaiah Thomas. It was when he was on the floor with Isaiah Thomas that their defense oh, yeah. was an absolute catastrophe. Yeah. Can we can we take a, a moment to talk about how Isaiah Thomas set this team back a bit? And like, sure. And really, like that was that signing was just awful from the get go. Yeah. And then for them to just continue to play him game after game when it was clear the effort wasn't there, I didn't know what that was really about. Yeah, um, that's the thing that got me was I I was okay with it as because I figured you know lost season all that kind of stuff it's like mm-hmm. why not see if he 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 can give you something, and if not, then you just cut him. Or mm-hmm. if he turns out to be pretty good, maybe you can actually trade him for something. And then he started playing, and he was really bad. You know, he clearly lost the burst, and mm-hmm. he still had some shot making, so he could he could contribute kind of, sort of, on offense. But his kept defense, him on the floor. He, yeah, he's the le- least effective defender I have ever seen in the NBA. It's just... Not even close. Yeah, and so... He's he's terrible defensively, and so he was so bad defensively that he was really crippling the team defense, and he was, you know, under basically making all of that time with those young players on the floor with him just a waste because you couldn't evaluate them as professional players because they're having to cover for a guy who could not play defense, you know. Right. So you've got that, and then they continue to play him for for what, 41 games, I think they, they yeah. played it. And it's like we could see after game five or six that he was he he didn't have it. Maybe give him a few more games just to see if something clicks. And then he, he should have been gone after 10. Yeah. Instead, they kept, they kept running him out there. And they finally traded him for Jerome Robinson, who was terrible. And, you know, the Clippers <laughs> just wanted to dump him and get out of his money so that they could save some, some money. So they bring in Jerome Robinson, who was terrible, and then they gave him a bunch of playing time, which made no sense because they had guys who were played similar, you know, same swing positions who were better. And they're giving Jerome Robinson minutes, and it's like, well, come on. Well, you know what that tells you, what they think of Troy Brown Jr. Yeah, who's, you know, he was actually pretty good, but they don't seem to think so. No. Well, I, you know, and I'm sure you've heard more than me, but you know, the, from the tea leads, you know, there's there's questions about you know, um, his dedication, his work ethic. Um, you know, is that necessarily bringing it in practice all the time? And and you do you do see energy swings on defense with him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I've always said he is shot dependent. When his shot goes in, he plays really well. When it doesn't, and it doesn't go in a lot, <laughs> he's sort of trying to find his way. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's – he's. I, <clears throat> I think they've got him a, a bit miscast 
you know, they, they're using him really as sort of a backup small forward, mm -hmm. you know, small forward shooting guard, basically a backup wing. Mm -hmm. And I think he'd be best served to be like a combo guard, the third guard and a three guard rotation type of thing where he plays I, some point guard and he plays with some shooting guard. But I don't, I don't think they trust his ball handling. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think they trust his ball handling. But it, one of the things Scott Brooks does, um, Fred Katz has talked about this a little bit, is he defines what a player is like in his mind very quickly. Yeah. And then it takes a lot to change their opinion. And that's, that's in some ways, coach. that can be good <laughs> for the player to learn how to develop into a certain role, right? And I think that's good if you've got a veteran. But when you have a 19-year-old kid, um, I think that that's premature to try to pigeonhole and uh, especially somebody who's got the kind of skills and, and abilities that Thomas that, that somebody like Troy Brown has. So yeah, we did the same thing to Thomas uh, Sadoransky. So yeah, and they did uh, something similar. This was before Brooks, but they we did the same with uh, with Jan Vesely, um going back years, where they um, they <laughs> they took a guy who was really like Vesely was sort of a rim runner plus. <laughs> and they they tried to play him like Dirk Nowitzki. They wanted him to become the next Dirk, and he wasn't well suited for that. I, yeah, I you know I just you know people got paid money to choose Jan Vesely. I, I still cannot yeah. fathom that <laughs> what they saw in it uh, saw in him that could say you know hey this guy could play small forward. Yeah, <laughs> <NBA>. like <laughs> I mean okay. We're we're just going to keep going back in time because a little bit further they did the same with Jawan Howard, right? Jawan Howard. Oh was, man, he was a four. He was a four. He was a four. And so then they trade away Chris Weber, and it's like, well, of course Jawan Howard is going to play four. And then they sign like a bunch of stiffs so that they can play Jawan Howard at three. Smith, <laughs> Michael the Animal Smith. I think yeah, he played the four like, with. What? <laughs> what? Why? I. Why they thought Juwan Howard could play small forward, I don't know, but they no. did. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the thing, the thing to do at the time, but I'm sure Chris Weber didn't want to do it, was you know Weber at the five, Howard at the four. That would well, yeah, that would have made sense. Thing, the thing, but you yeah. know, but nobody wanted to play center. Everybody yeah. wanted to go out on the floor because of or, nowadays, obviously Weber would be probably just would just probably be a five. And oh. he would be one of those like stretch fives who would just and he would wreck havoc. Yeah, yeah, he would wreck. He would wreck okay. havoc in this in this in this in this league right now. The way it's set yeah. up. So all right, moving on. Like next person on my list, we just did talk about a Kongu, and uh, how about Tyrese Halliburton? I like him. Um, the guy I get the he actually I get a vibe from him is Andre Miller. Um, mm. I. I I feel like there's some Andre Miller in the way he kind of quarterbacks the offense, um, the funky-looking shot, um, the high IQ, the cerebral play. Um, yeah. Always seems to just make the right play. Yeah. Um, so I, I, to me, he's one of the few um, guys I feel confident that I can say should be a starter mm -hmm. um, at the next level. You know, yeah. when I when I look at recent guys who I can kind of compare them to, uh, um, I look at the the guy from OKC. Um, what's his name? 
Shay Gilders Alexander. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I, and I and I um, so I could see him having that sort of impact at least early in his career. Um, like he's he's going to he's he's a he's a playmaker. He's a winner. Um, not an elite scorer, but he'll I think he'll score enough. He seems to be um, efficient enough, a uh, good enough shooter, despite the funky release to to to, to not be a um, you know to not be an issue there. So I, I like him. I, I think he's a top five pick in this draft. Yeah. Um, as as far as the fit for the Wizards, it's not a clean fit, but I would still take him. Um, and yeah. just have him back up wall for now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, if if it was if if he was sitting there wherever the Wizards are picking in this draft, um, I I'd probably just go ahead and take him. I mean, if the Wizards are picking, you know, third or fourth or something like that, like out of how far do they draw in that four? Um, if so, the Wizards like were sitting there at four, and he mm-hmm. was there, I'd probably go ahead and take him. Um, even with that shot, my sort of one concern with him is that shot is that the release is just a little too slow, but he's a guy, he shot almost 60% from two point range, 42% from three point range, 82% from the line. Um, he rebounded well. He got assists, got steals, blocked shots decently, and not very high turnovers for somebody who handled the ball as much as he did for us. And um, he's somebody I'd, I'd be willing to take a chance on to, to bet on pretty high in the draft. Yeah, and and that he kind did of this as a freshman is 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 impressive for a, a, somebody as young as he is. He was very good as a freshman too. Yeah. Um I, I took notice of what he was doing as a freshman. So I, I yeah. In this draft I can't find three prospects better than him. Yeah. Um, which is a little scary. <laughs> but Well, again, so he's he's Probably, I mean, like right now, where he sits in in my on my list is number two overall. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know whether he'll end up there, but yeah, that's where he. Three. Yeah, that's where I I have him right at the moment. And but again, normally that would be probably in like the in a normal draft we're looking at somebody going probably seven through ten. Uh, yeah, this is like he's this is he's not Dwayne Wade. But he no. he has a role, I think, in the league, especially if he can do something with his shot. And obviously, he needs to get stronger. But nineteen, twenty years old—that's normal. Yeah, and I remember Andre Miller was the eighth pick in the draft the year he came out. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of perfect. Yeah. Um, so, all right, next player. Let's go to um, Australia and go to Lamelo Ball. All right, my um, this is my favorite player in the draft. Really? Yeah. Um, so did you get a chance to watch him much from the, the Australian League, or is this based on other scouting? Yeah, well, this is this is from um, watching some of, some of the Australian League and seeing some of the stuff he's done in the past, and then um, just doing a deep dive into you know his background as far as what he's done the last few years since the you know the old videos of him just you know jacking up. 30 footers in high school games. Um, right. uh, no, I've seen I've seen a guy that looks like he's grown a lot. Like he knows that you know, hey, I'm about to be a professional athlete, and it's time for me to get serious. And that, that's kind of what I've seen in his evolution the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as skills, basketball court, this is the only guy in a draft 
with dynamic playmaking ability with mm. the ball in his hands. Yeah. Um, he's the only guy I really see breaking down defenses and creating open shots for others at a high level. Mm. He's the only guy in the draft that I can see, you know, getting eight plus rebounds, eight to eight plus assists a night. Yeah. That's the type of guy he looks to me. At at six eight, long arms, high skill level, can see over smaller defenders. He's going to be a guy that that puts up West, you know, not not triple doubles at the West Russell Westbrook type level, but will get will average a lot. Uh, will put up Jason Kidd type rebounding yeah. numbers. Yeah. So the, my concerns with him are the shooting. Mm-hmm. The, the shooting was was poor, and also, you know, he didn't play a lot in the Australian league, but he didn't he didn't finish well around the basket. Um, some of that could have been that he was, you know, eighteen years old playing against right. grown men. <laughs> that, right. that happens. Although on the other hand, he did average nine and a half rebounds for forty minutes, uh, in and almost nine assists in two yeah. steals. So that's those are. Those are man-sized numbers. Yeah, yeah, in, in yeah. A not bad professional league, you know. Right, right. It's not the highest level of competition, but they're grown men with, you know, and so yeah, to get to put up those rebounding numbers as a as a guard, I think really bodes well. It says a lot about his IQ too. Yeah, um, yeah. Now this, he it, it's unfortunate that he shoots like a ball. So <laughs> why did the father not teach them kids a a, a, a how to shoot? Well, I, I've I mean, never understood these, that. These numbers, right? I mean, his numbers remind me a lot of his brother, where you know Lonzo Ball is does a lot of this stuff. He's a very good defender. He rebounds like crazy. He's a good passer. You know, good setup guy. Terrific in transition, and uh, he's very much. And his brother is very similar to that. And they both have the same flaw, which is they they they're not good shooters. No, uh, and it's just because that shot has. Doesn't translate. Um, that release just doesn't seem to translate to the um, to the pro game. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's because the shot is being rushed or or what it is, but it's it's just it's not. Pure I wonder if it's time. like they you know they sort of started too young and uh, mm-hmm. ended up with like the the kind of form that a little kid gets. Yeah. To trying to get the ball up to the rim, and then they just never fixed it. If honestly, if if I'm draft, if I'm a team that's drafting him, I'm remaking his shot from day one, like San Antonio did with with Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't waste it. Uh, that's something I never understood. What Charlotte didn't do that with Michael Kidd, Grill Chris, especially yeah. when when you're starting from scratch, remake that damn shot, especially when it's like looking like a shot put. Um, but you know, some teams just still like, no, that's how he got here. So, you know, that's not yeah, that's, here's the thing: is you, you stick with bad, you know, with bad form if it works. So like, you know, Reggie Miller, mm-hmm. for example, he had that famous sort of cross-handed release mm-hmm. that was a little weird, but the ball went in. So it's like you don't mess with it. But and so that's like the push-pull with like Tyrese Halliburton, for example, is. That yeah, his form is funky, and yes, it's a little slow, but it goes in at a really high rate. So it's like do you right. mess with that and try to remake it to to 
so he can get it off in traffic or so that he can or do you just leave it and live with the fact that he's sometimes going to get run off of a shot because he's too slow to get it off um that i i don't know that's a more interesting kind of question but like i agree with you with the kind of shot that lamella ball has the kind of form that lonzo had coming in where it's bad form and they miss mm-hmm. i mean just start over <laughs> get you know get them standing under the basket shooting one-handed until they get that down perfect and then to step yeah. back use the stuff i did when i was in high school and middle school yeah and i and i just don't know why why wait start is start day one he's in your program um yeah. but we'll see uh, but definitely like i said the mellow uh he he's the only guy in this draft that i see that can do a little bit of everything the shot is the one major weakness he has mm-hmm. um but i look at him as a better prospect a slightly better prospect than Lonzo. I think he's a little taller, and he seems to have a little more uh, spark or I don't want to say explosiveness, but it just seems a, a, a smidge quicker. Um, yes. I think he's slightly a better athlete. Um, yes. Okay. All right. So let me like maybe just like speed round like a, a few okay. more of like my sort of favorites. So. Um, necessarily favorites, but there are a few that sort of popped up unexpectedly because there's always a few guys who, for me, you know, it's like I'm going through and I get down to like, you know, I'm working through like some list of 100 draft prospects and I'm down at like number 60 or 55 or something like that. (laughs) And I type in this guy and I enter the numbers and I do the analysis and it's like he suddenly pops up and he's like fifth in the draft or something. And I'm like, how is (laughs) How is he like sched planned? You know, he's not even considered draftable, and mm-hmm. he played like this. And then I look closer, and sometimes I'll see reasons why, and other times I'm still baffled. So, right. Let me just run through a few names here. Um, okay. And some of them are guys who are considered to be closer to the top, and you know, maybe I, I'm curious about why too. We've already talked about Anthony Edwards, so let's jump to Vernon Carey Jr. Thoughts on Vernon? I. I think the issue with him is going to be defensively. Yeah. Um, I actually, he's productive. Yeah. He, um, he looks like he should, you know, he could have a role in the league for a long time. Um, I wouldn't, yeah. you know, as a mid, I, I actually think I have like a mid-late first round on, grade on him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just being a center that doesn't play defense at a high level is just going to knock you down. Yeah, I think he needs to lose weight and I don't I don't think he's necessarily fat, but I think he he needs mm-hmm. to lose weight and get quicker and more explosive. Um, he, could. he is of load inside and if he was coming into the league 15 years ago, I think he'd be the number one pick in the draft, um defense or not. Um cuz he's he scores inside really well, you know, 59% two-point range. He converts around the basket. Got mm-hmm. to the free throw line 11 times per 40. Um, Big-time rebounder and uh, decent shot blocker, you know, kind of sort of little, probably a touch on the low side for a, for a center, which is what he will have to play. But like I said, I think he needs to drop like 20 pounds, and uh, that'll give him a chance to, to be a better defender. 
because I think what he needs to be a better defender is a lot more quickness. If he gets but, that, he's a much more intriguing prospect. If he yeah. loses 20 pounds, yeah. Yeah. I th- that, so that, that that would be my thing with him. I, I, especially if he's there in the second round, I would grab him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's a st- he's absolutely still in the second round. I think he's a, a good value pick mid late. I mean late first, late first. Yeah, yeah. Value. I think. I mean, if I'm sitting there like you know seventeen, eighteen, or something like that, and mm-hmm. I I would pick. I'd be willing to pick him there, just to you know to bring him in and, and try to see if I could get him to to drop some weight and, and teach him defense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's go to uh, Obi Toppin. He is the hardest guy for me to peg because I don't know where you play him defensively. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but offensively, he has a lot of Amare um, mm. in this game. A lot, I mean, Kenyon Martin. Kenyon Martin is the first guy I thought of pre-knee injury Kenyon back yeah. at Cincinnati. That, that, he reminds me a lot of that. Um, but Kenyon was a ferocious defender, though. Yeah, that's the thing. And it's, it's like he's ferocious offensively, Toppin is, but defensively he's, he's almost ghost. Uh, yeah. uh, but the thing is, I don't know if, you know, that was sort of like a lot of Blake Griffin, you know, I'm going to save myself, and you know, yeah. like he did in college. He saved himself on defense so he could, yeah. you know, show out on offense. But the rebounding numbers. Are, are what kind of also give me pause. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, when I look at him, I I see very much. I mean, obviously the offense is seventy percent from two point range, almost thirty nine percent from three. Um, you know, the 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 fact that he got almost no offensive rebounds is a little concerning. That it's all defensive rebounding. That, like I said, that's a bit of a concern. And the other thing with him that's a little bit of a concern is that he's already twenty two years old. So, yeah. and it's not that age that the guys who are 22 don't improve, but it's like he a 22-year-old playing against 18-year-olds. There's you would expect him to do better, and so that's why there's like the age adjustment and that kind of stuff in Yoda is to try to get around that, and that's why you know some folks have him significantly higher than I do for that reason. It's I think I, I don't know if they're accounting for the fact that he's 22, but I think that's something that needs to be accounted for. Right, and uh, but he still he was definitely one of the more productive players this year in college. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he don't score. That's definitely clear. You know, you know, six seventy four effective field goal percentage this season. That's pretty yeah, impressive. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, and and he finishes everything around the basket. I mean, he, yeah. I, I get, I, you know, when I think of you know a possible, you know success where he could have success is maybe like in a six-man role off the mm-hmm. bench um, as a scoring forward. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Antoine Jameson was in, in the yeah. Dallas Mavericks phase. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, I just don't know. Unless he really picks up the energy level defensively, if he, if, if he can start and, and be, you know, if you can hide them there appropriately. I just don't know. Because yeah. he just showed nothing on that end in college, and then then you got to deal with the rebounding. So you got to have you got to have a really good defensive center that, that rebounds really well to go with him. And yeah. so he's a tough fit. So that's a, he's like the hardest guy for me to lead. Um, Sounds like he'd be perfect for like Utah. 
you know. Yeah, yeah, he, he, you know, in a right, I'm sure, like, in a right system, uh, San Antonio, Utah, they would find a, a, a good role for him. Yeah. I, I just don't know in a lot of places, he, I could see him busting out because, you know, if we can't, if we can't hide him on defense and we can't play him and then right. it just ends up yeah. on the bench. Yeah. Maybe he ends up like a big man, Lou Williams. I don't know. Um, <laughs> All right, uh, next guy, Malachi Flynn. I like him a lot. Um, he, he he seems like a winner. Uh, he is a bit of a scorer too. Um, the the I was surprised watching him how much he was like seeking shots. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really... he's a decent assist guy too. He's, he's good. I mean, nice assist numbers. But yeah, he mm-hmm. does seem like he he can score a little bit. Yeah, um, I think uh, when we talked online about him, uh, the the comparison, I guess the one thing that comparison that worries me is the Cameron Payne comparison because he can't get all the way to the basket. Yeah, he he was he was relying on floaters in college, and he was very good at them. I mean, I think he might be in a in the NBA, he may have one of the better floaters coming in. Mm-hmm. But you know, to be relying that. Already on, you know, not the highest level league in college, it makes you sort of wonder, well, you know, how yes. much will his physical limitations get in the way? But yeah. he's he's a good decision maker. He runs the pick and roll. Um, he He's tough, tough as nails. He'll fight um, on defense. You know, to mm-hmm. me, he's, he's a solid backup point guard. Mm-hmm. Somebody. I, I think that's his, like not. his floor. I think that's his floor is the solid backup. I, I think he could be a starter. He could, he, you know, does the work on his body and and that kind of stuff. I do agree with you on the on the quickness and that that he's relying on the the teardrops and the floaters and stuff. You, you know, my theory on that is that like a floater is basically a failed drive. Right. You, know, you want to get to the basket and get the layup or draw a foul, and when you're shooting the floater generally is coming from where the lowest percentage shot in the NBA, that three to 10 foot range. And uh, that's a really difficult place because he's shooting over big guys, mm-hmm. maybe fewer than, than used to be the case, but you're still sh- shooting it over other teams, big defenders. And that's, it's a more challenging shot in the NBA than it is in college or, um, you know, some of the other leagues around the, around the world. Yeah, um, I think Jameer Nelson as a guy that I, maybe not mm-hmm. as he's not maybe not as built as Jameer, but I, I see a lot of similarities in the terms of how they run the offense and the pace they play with. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I could definitely see seeing them, you know, end up starting somewhere. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, second round, best pick in the second round. He would be the best pick in the second round. Yeah, I think it's, he's somebody that I will say I you know when I he's one of those guys where I looked at, I was, you know, working from a list of prospects and that whoever this was had him as a second round pick, you know, mm-hmm. like in the forties, I want to say, and he definitely has a first round grade for me. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I don't have obviously the athleticism stuff in there, but if uh, that just grades out as average, he would still probably have a first round grade. So if you're getting him in the second round, that would be a pretty nice pickup. I'd say he looked like about an average NBA athlete to me. Um, yeah. Okay. You know. So, all right, um, R.J. Hampton. 
Brandon Jennings ish quick. Um, okay. I from what I saw of him, only only I only watched a few games of his, but okay. um, the jump shot is going to be the question mark. Yeah. Um, I I but I don't think he's a bad prospect. I I have him like late lottery mid mid first round. Yeah, I mean, that's where he would probably fall in this draft. I, his score in a normal year for me would be probably late first, early second, somewhere in there. Um, obviously, big concerns about his efficiency and his shooting. Um, rebounded pretty well. Um, so, But there's enough there. He's got a good reputation, and the athleticism is supposed to be there. It's just the production really wasn't. Uh, this year, so that's a little bit of a concern. So yeah. let's go yeah. from him to another international player. Achilles is a guy I've seen him in like some mocks as third, and then I've seen other ones where he's more like top ten, but still, still not uh, you know, but not that high. So what what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, the consensus seems to be all over the board on him. Um, I am not. In love, I question the athleticism in terms of of creating space. But mm-hmm. you know, I I don't think he's a terrible prospect. I, yeah. You know, I just eight to eight to ten is sort of where I have him. Um, yeah. So you you you've got him probably a little higher than I do. Um, you know, I I worry about the shooting a little. You know, his his two-point percentage was pretty solid. His three-point percentage was bad, but his free-throw shooting was excellent. So that suggests, and his assist numbers are good. Um, Turnovers are very high, though. You're talking, what, 8.7 assists per 40 and 5.2 turnovers. I think he's more of an off or on the ball two than than a one, than a pure one. Um, He's a scorer. I think he's more of a scorer. Um, Yeah. Yeah, he's not somebody that like like I said, I, I I would be a little like where the Wizards are picking. I don't I don't think I would want to pick him. No. I would hope he either goes before or I would I would want to get somebody get somebody else. Right? Yeah, he's him or R.J. Hampton. I'm not necessarily looking for yeah. or hoping that the Wizards get. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, let's go to a local guy because a lot of the people who listen. Are you know they're 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 local to in Washington, so uh, let's go to Jalen Smith. He's an interesting prospect. Um, very productive. Um, really had a good season. It's really efficient. Um, you know, started to really get to the point where he can hit that um, that three. Mm-hmm. I am just not sure if he rebounds or plays defense well enough to be a center in the NBA, and I don't think he's really a power forward on the next level. Yeah. Yeah, when I look at him, the way he, he – when I look at his numbers, um, he, he I think he has to play center in the NBA. And I agree with you that I, there he, you'd have to have concerns. I don't see any of the, the skills. Like, you know, he got one assist per 40 minutes. Um last season yeah. and the the block shots and the rebounds are 
are that they seem okay. He's very efficient, and he does shoot the three, and so I think those are all promising. I think he has a potential to be a stretch five. Um, yeah, he's somebody. Like I said, if I'm sitting there second round, and he's there, I, I'd be willing to take him, depending on you know who else was on the board, of course. But, yeah. I'm- He's not a bad guy to have in your system as a second-round prospect. Um, he's a smart kid. Um, I, I just—he's a tweener. He's just kind of stuck in that tweener um, bit. So he's really going to have to, I think, get stronger, uh, be a better rebounder. You know, the assisting is just—you know—that that speaks to a lack of vision, and and that's not—that's not much you can do about that. Yeah. I really. Don't see much difference between him and a guy like uh, Bruno Fernando uh, from last year. Yeah, uh, I think they're sort of in a similar ballpark as prospects go. Yeah, the the, the lack of assists is, is a bit of a concern. Um, I know that some yeah. statistical researchers have found a relationship between big man assists and defensive ability, and mm. but that that lack of assists is a concern because it does speak to a lack of overall awareness and, and skill. You know, you should be able to make simple passes as a big man, especially someone as efficient as he was drawing defensive attention. He should have been able to find teammates for, um, you know, easier buckets. See, and I didn't know those low assist numbers, so it's got now me when go back and look at some of those Merlin games and see exactly what was going on there. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that, but the, yeah, it's, it definitely speaks to, I, you know, Lack of awareness, like IQ, IQ, offensive IQ, being able to see the floor. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I would have some concerns drafting him in the first round, but second round, sure. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Let's do one more, and then I think we'll we'll wrap. Um, there's some there's some guys like who are pretty high up. Um, there's one guy I know you haven't seen him, but um, he's. He's somebody who honestly kind of sort of intrigues me. Um, We'll talk about him just a second, then we'll do the guy I was talking about. That's Jay Scrub from John Logan Junior College. Okay, Uh, yeah. Now, I've seen the name before, but no, I've not doubted him. (laughs) He was basically like the the JUCO, like I think he was the player of the year or something like that. And uh, big, you know, definitely a scorer, uh, 26, almost 26 points per 40 minutes in, in mm. junior college. Rebounded pretty well. Even got three three assists per 40. So a little elevated on the turnover side, but he's like uh, he's a shooting guard and can shoot it a little bit. And I doubt he can. He he was supposed to go to uh, I can't remember. He was a a, D, a D1 school uh, mm-hmm. next year, and he decided to opt for the draft instead. Um, Probably won't get drafted. You know, maybe he gets picked. I'm I'm not sure, you know, late. But he's somebody who's intriguing because he's very confident in his in his abilities. And if he couples that with some work, you know, maybe he could make somebody a 3 and D type of guy. Um, so let's jump to the guy I actually wanted to talk about, though. I was just sort of scrolling through my list and his name popped out at me. Uh, Killian Tilly, stretch four from uh, Gonzaga. Hmm. Uh, the question is: Is he is he a four or a five? Hmm. Um, I think there's so much depth 
you know, and sort of that backup five spot, as as you mentioned, I he could easily slip through and not get drafted. Yeah, I I look at his numbers. He he reminds he makes me think a little bit of sort of like a poor man's Obi Toppin in the sense that you know he's super efficient on offense, and then everything else is a question mark, and a little bit like uh, well, I was going to say Mo Mo Wagner, but. Not really, because he doesn't rebound like Mo did. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure. He's he's like borderline for me, like right on the edge. And uh, and I, and I I'm think feeling, he has to play four, but I because I, I don't think he can play five in the NBA. I feel like he's had some nagging or yes. injuries, um, mm-hmm. and that's been a that's been a big um, was probably stopped him from being even. Um, a higher draft pick or getting more consideration is is the injury history, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just I just he can really help. shoot though. Yeah, that, I'm sure he'll get a, he'll get a look on somebody's training camp roster. Um, if we have a summer league, I'm sure he'll he'll he's he's going to be worth a look. But would that I, be fall league? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, that's, yeah, that's going to be interesting how that'll work. I wonder if it's still going to be in Vegas. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I there's so much um depth at that center position. It's it's tough making a call for um to see you know, Tilly being drafted. Um, yeah. So all right, I, I kinda lied. Let's do let's do like two more because there's two guys and both of these guys I think have potential uh three and D. So the first one is Joel Ayai from Gonzaga. And the second is Nate Hinton from Houston. So, what I did. On those two? I did watch a Yai. I, I, I did see a little Oladipo ish um, mm. in his game. Um, definitely athletic. Um, sort of plays low to the ground. Um, in the low in a Leandro Barbosa sort of way. Okay. Um, but no, he definitely has the athletic ability to play. I'm kind of mm-hmm. wondering, you know, maybe it was just Gonzaga so deep that he didn't have a bigger role. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I see a guy that that you know looks like he could be the 12th to 15th man on a team as a you know energy wing off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I, I'd say he's he's a top 45 pick to me. Okay. And then uh, Hinton. Hinton, I only got a brief look at. Um, you're gonna have to remind me which school did he. Well, he went to in? Houston, so okay. I'll just talk about him for a second. I, I, right. I think he's got some potential for three and D. There's definite like warts on him, <laughs> as you might say. So you know, below fifty percent effective field goal percent percentage. Um, 43% on two-point shots, which is not a good sign for a, you know, small forward, shooting guard type type of player. Um, almost 39% from three-point range, um, but That's not good. huge volume. We're talking five threes per 40. Okay. And, but the weird thing is, is you know, at like six, 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 seven, he's um, got 11 and a half boards per 40 minutes. And so that's a guy who who is competing. It's just, you know, I think that with the three point percentage where it is, it's 
kind of borderline. He's going to have to become more of a knockdown shooter. But I do, mm-hmm. I do think that there's some potential there. He's pretty young, you know, just he was a sophomore. So I think that there's a chance he could, he could become, you know, a 3 and D type of player, you know, maybe a better version of Admiral Schofield type of thing. Well, that wouldn't be hard. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah, that was not uh, a pick I was uh, very thrilled with. Uh, no, I, I, hey, if 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 we were drafting a weightlifter, boy, we we would have we would have won. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, strong guy, that's for sure. Yeah, no, and actually, I, I like to see him get some more run as a small ball four. Um, if he has any hope of making it, it's going to be as a four. Yeah, he's uh, admiral. Just as long as we're talking about him, I think he's another guy that could that would benefit from losing some weight and getting quicker. Even if he's going to be a four, and I do agree with you that I think he his future is more as a small four uh, in the mold. I think he should be watching a ton of PJ Tucker video yes. and uh, trying to emulate what Frank, what yeah. Doing. yeah, yeah, and he's a strong. He's definitely a strong kid. Definitely a strong yeah. kid. I, I don't think his uh, touch on the shot is all that bad either. Um, he's just too stiff out there. Yeah, um, and I think his his shot, the, the touch is okay. It's it's a little inconsistent in the in the motion, and he shoots a pretty flat ball, so that's not good either. I you know he almost like does he work out too much? Yeah. <laughs> Well, like I think that you know, he definitely he he was built more like a tight end, you know, than a, yeah. than a basketball player. As as a, as a as a um, football coach, I would be trying to steal him away and put yeah. him a tight end. Yeah, yeah. He could he, probably he, be a heck of a heck of a tight end, you know. His frame, yeah, I'm sure. There's nobody that wants to tackle him. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, any parting shots? Uh, let's see. Did I get my top five list? Uh, Lamelo. Okay, so Lamelo's number one. Um, actually, we didn't even talk about this guy. Um, um, James Wiseman. Uh, oh yeah, that's a good one. We didn't talk about him at all, in part because I don't have anything to evaluate. I use that. In <laughs> those three, three games, games weren't enough. Those games, those weren't enough for you. You couldn't get everything in that. <laughs> he played three games in like sixty minutes. You know, it's like. Hey, but he dominated. Yes, he did. His numbers were off the charts. Off the charts. Actually, you know, and I look at his frame, and, you know, he's obviously an an athletic specimen. And, you know, I look at a guy who was a complete dog in college like Andre Drummond and DeAndre Jordan, I don't think, did much in college either. I don't know. Like, they were athletic specimens, too. And this guy's in that same in that same um, ballpark. So I, I, I see a, a floor for him that's pretty high. Okay. That's um, interesting. Yeah, he's somebody who would, you know, I've got the road, uh, 20 players on my, that are I currently have a draftable grade, which is lower than normal. I normally have about 25 or 30. And so he's somebody that would be 21, you know, based on what I've heard about him and just the very few numbers that are available, he would, he would certainly be, seem like he, he should be a pretty high pick. And, 
would seem to have a pretty good profile for a professional player. Yeah, it, it's just going to be the question of, you know, his work ethic, his um, desire, but yeah, all the physical tools there um, to, to to dominate a lot of the nights at the position if he wants to. But yeah. with those, with bigs like that, it's always going to be a work ethic uh, question. But sim- simply the talent is there. And in this draft, um, you know, if I'm, you know, I'm I'm looking at the third pick. I'm looking at him and and um, uh, Halliburton real hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then Halliburton is number three for me. Um, I think Okanwu is 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 uh, number four. Mm-hmm. And um, I am sort of going back and forth on Naismith, who I'm probably higher on than a lot of people, just because mm-hmm. I, I see him as the easily the the best shooting best shooter in the draft. Yeah. Um, and it's not even close. And mm-hmm. then uh, the other is Denny, um Avita. Um like I said, because I like his bull hammering. Um yeah. but yeah, and like and like you say, in most years, those guys, you know, that's probably eight, nine and ten we're discussing instead of, you know, three, four yeah. and five. Yeah. yeah, uh my my I I mean I'm not there yet in terms of having a firm like top five, but mm-hmm. some of the names that are similar, you know, um, and, you know, I would have Ball in there, um, Halliburton, uh, Devin Vassell, I think, um, has a potential to be a, up that high. Uh, can I um, speak on him real quick? Oh, yeah. I looked at his last nine games. He did not score more than 14 points in any of those nine games. Mm. I just I just looked at his... Um, you know the number of shots he was taking a game, and 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 it's almost like Otto Porter <laughs> with the Wizards. You, you just like, and this is against the competition. Um, you know, it looked like he struggled more as the season went on against better competition. So that's why I pointed out those last nine games when you can't, you know, when none of those games you can get more than fourteen points. Yeah, so here, here's something like an interesting stat. I just scrolled down to Otto in my little database here. Uh-huh. So Otto, in his sophomore year in college, used 14.9 possessions per 40 minutes, right, and had an offensive rating of 121. That sounds kind of familiar, right? That's pretty yeah. much what he did with the Wizards. Yeah. But Devin Vassell, um, offensive rating of 121, but used 13.5 possessions per 40 <laughs> So you wow. fewer possessions per 40 than Otto Porter did at Georgetown. And um, so I think people who might have been frustrated with, with Otto and oh, yeah. relatively low usage would probably be similarly frustrated with Devin Vassell. <laughs> Absolutely. And and you've got to know, if you're getting if you're drafting Devin Vassell, maybe you're getting a Danny Green. And Danny Green is a good player, but keep in mind it took Danny Green a few years. To, he had to bounce around the league a few years before he found his niche. Well, and, it's funny that you say that because, you know, I I ran uh, Yoda on him, and I, I would have had him as like a top 5'10 pick um, in virtually any draft. So, like, Danny Green in this year's draft, I don't know what he where he'd be. And, you know, now that I think about it, I've strengthened the, the age adjustment. Um, mm-hmm. So it could be that he's um, he would be a little further down now, but I yeah I had him I, I was 
kind of puzzled about why he ended up being um because he was an elite role player in college and you know scouts aren't looking for elite role you know yeah. they're look, they're looking for stars who they can turn into elite role players not elite role players to become elite role players yeah, so yeah. you know as if you're the fourth or fifth option on a college team yeah, the scouts are going to kind of overlook you, um, even if you're incredibly efficient, you know, and and incredibly productive in 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 that time. But um, yeah, I do see a lot of cerebral play in Vassal's game. I think in time he can be good. I do worry about the wispiness of his frame. I do worry about the limited handle, and I do worry about the he would be the fifth option on offense if you, you put him out there now. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, he like I said, he he looks like maybe he'd be okay. Um, but Danny Green, by the way, used like almost seventeen possessions per forty minutes so <laughs> <laughs> in, at North Carolina, and uh, in this draft, he would probably be his score in Yoda. By the way, was almost identical to where I have Vassal. So. He would probably be a pretty high pick in this draft. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, thanks very much for doing this. I really appreciate it, and I'd love to do this again with you when we get closer to the draft, and maybe be a little more organized so we hit more players. Absolutely. No, I had a blast. This is this is fun. I didn't even notice the time that went by. It was, yeah. I could I could do this all day. Yeah. Yeah. I. Me too. And but uh, I'm not sure our listeners. This is like three, four commutes for people now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if uh, folks, if you want to follow uh, Nathan on Twitter, he's at dat2u, that's D-A-T, the number two U, and you can follow me at broom underscore Kevin, or you can catch me on boatsforever.com. And so thanks very much for listening.